You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Hi, Christians. We just want to remind you that you can still get a free Audible subscription on us for one month and a book if you just go to audibletrial.com slash queer. Go there now, get a free one on us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. So what did you do this week? Um, this week, what did I do this week? I don't know. I'm not I you. Do what did I do? You don't even talk to me. Uh, pff, bitch, I talk to you all day, every day about nothing. This no. is constant message back I and message forth. you and then I get one message back at the end because of the day. Because I'm working. Stop messaging me while I'm working. I you, you can get my schedule. You can ask me like, are you going to be home this evening? And then I can message you. I'm in the middle of, I'm in the thick of it. I don't have time to turn around and talk to you. Sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> my problem. I can't remember. Literally everything has left my mind. I don't know. I worked out a lot this week. Oh, and I got stung by a bee. And I almost died. And my middle finger's swollen up. And it's bothering me. How, what, did you get stung in the finger? Yeah. I, a bee flew no. into my... Hey. A bee, <laughs> a bee flew into my hair. And I grabbed it. And I yanked it out of my hair. And then it stung me, the little bastard. And because I was throwing it to its death. And then I was like... Because the last First time, of all, why were you trying to throw it to its death? That sounds like it's, this is all your fault. It was it was in my hair. So? It was exploring. I'm not going to leave it in my hair, Paul. Well, if I, I get stung in my head, I will die. That will go to my brain. Do you think I want swelling around my brain? So I went to the CVS because I should have gone to the Minute Clinic because the last time I got stung by a bee, which was 15 years ago, I nearly died. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to ride this out. So I went to the CVS and I bought a bunch of Benadryl, which like knocks me off my fucking ass. And But I had too much to do that day. So I was taking all these cold brew coffees with all this Benadryl. Oh my God, that sounds like just, a really bad idea. It was a very horrible day. <laughs> I was just very out of it, wandering around. Were you at work? No, I would no. I was working on other projects, but I was I was at a place that I volunteer for, oh, okay. and then I was trying to work on the script. So if the script today is a little off, folks, that's why. It's me. pretty bad. I read it already. So sorry. Shut. What did you do this week? <laughs> you are gonna have your mind blown. Oh my god! I went to not. a baseball game. Willingly? Yeah, I went to a baseball game. So David's uncle had free tickets to go to the Paw Sox. And I was like, okay, I'll go, sure. And I actually had a lot of fun. I didn't watch the game at all. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I went shopping and bought food and um, all kinds of stuff. I just walked around and, yeah, okay. I left the house. I think I went to a drag show again, probably. Well, every week you go to every, a drag I go show. to a drag show every week. I feel like this is awkward because we have a guest in the room and mm-hmm. we're trying to pretend like she's not in the room. <laughs> 
Because our listeners don't know. So, Katie, what did you do this week? I actually, I went skydiving. Wait, who is <laughs> Who is Katie? Okay, well, now that's a little... So, Katie is um, our, one of our best friends. Um, she's an aspiring sexual educator. And um, she is a member of the BDSM community, which is part of the topic that we're going to be talking about today. So, we wanted a well-rounded perspective. So, we asked Katie. She's also a big fan of the... Well, she's at least a fan of the of the author that we're going to cover so um anyways she's going to be a good voice but what yes you went skydiving you threw yourself out of a plane i did i did and um as expected i hit the ground and was sexually attracted to the instructor of course you were you you told me that he was um uh there was something erotic about it's very sexual it is very sexual. It's very sexual to you. It's very, it's very <laughs> I would have just me. probably peed myself. Right? I don't I know how sexual it would have been. I would have no. thrown up and like blacked out. No. I, I guarantee, I, I've always, so I've always wanted to go skydiving because I've said to myself like, I have issues with roller coasters and all that. And I'm like, if I could jump out of a plane and like anything. make it, I feel like I'd be pretty okay. Like I would, like everything else to me would be like, oh, I fucking jumped out of a plane. Like that yeah. doesn't matter. Party. Like, this is pretty low. I, I jumping out of the plane is the last thing on my list ever to do. You can move it up. Uh, no. Move it up the list. Let's do it together. <laughs> do it together. Yeah. I want some guy be, no. to have a raging heart on in no. my back. Yeah. I will just roll myself out <laughs> of the plane. We'll be strapped together. We'll be strapped together. I will fuck you. That, that is now the last thing on my list. To be strapped <laughs> to you and throw myself out of anything. Yeah. That would be so fun. <laughs> no, it would not be fun. Because I'd be like, let's see how long we can go on the Do you remember? <laughs> No, no, yeah. you wouldn't, bitch. You would be there flailing around <laughs> and screaming like you did when you almost drowned in the lake like a little Ooh, bitch. Ooh, yeah. That was scary. <laughs> that was that terrifying. That was so scary. I almost died that day. No, you were safe. You I were was safe. safe. There was like a hundred people around. A hundred people and at least and, five of And the little seven-year-old <laughs> swimming next to you was like, do you need help? <laughs> yeah. Do you need my floaty? I was straight up moved on to that island, though. I was like, I'm not leaving this yep. rock. I remember. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we. I thought we were going to have to leave you there. I was prepared. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so, guys, we want to give a quick shout-out to our Patreon supporters because our Patreon has actually gotten some support. Yes. And um, we want to th- say thank you very much to those of you. If you don't know, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash yourqueerstory and you can donate on tiers from $1, $3, Five dollars and twenty dollars, and you can just do every month. You can do for six months, whatever you want. Even a dollar helps. But for those of you who have donated, we want to say thank you. Yes, and before I uh, start naming names, I just want to say for anyone who thinks a dollar isn't enough, or they're embarrassed to do a dollar, or why would I even bother if I'm only doing a dollar? We've um, grown our Twitter followers to fifteen hundred. So even if just every single um, Twitter follower donated just one dollar, that would Put us up to fifteen hundred a month, which would allow us to do a lot for our community and really start branching out into our goal of having a physical place for people who need us, basically, yes. or anybody. Yeah. Um, so we just want to give a special shout out to Matthew Espinosa, Michael Fenlange, Kim Osteen, Sungmin Lem, Tammy Gifford, and Donald Gold. Thank you all very much for supporting us. Yes, thank you. And remember, if you become a Patreon supporter, you can get uh, a peek into our exclusive uh, footage. Paul and I post a video every week that has to do with a current topic. It's about a 10-minute video. And if you join before September 8th, you get to vote in the 
which YouTube challenge will we do? Evan's really looking forward to doing the cinnamon challenge, I so make not. sure you not. join and vote for that one. <laughs> Thank you. Paul has put the worst fucking challenges up there and couldn't <laughs> do anything fun. Um, the bean boozled challenge would have been fun. The bean boozled? Yeah. What is that? Do you know what the bean boozled mm-hmm. challenge is? So the bean boozled challenge is it's like. Do you know Harry I really Potter? I'm not nervous. <laughs> next well, I can't computer. put it right here. Well, I don't Please know. Get a it. table. <laughs> You've taken them all. Um, anyway, so the bean boozle uh-huh. challenge is you get this thing of jelly beans, mm-hmm. and it's like if it's yellow, it either tastes like pee or like lemon. So then there's two yellow ones, and you each eat one, and someone gets the pee and someone gets the lemon. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's, if it's orange, it's like this is either going to be like lit orange sickle or earwax. Okay. Do that one. <laughs> well, I'll play can... that game anyway. <laughs> Katie's just at home popping. I'm like, which one is it? Yeah. Rule that with myself. <laughs> I would do that with you. I, yeah. you, know? you. We would play that game. Like the okay. ghost peppers we just ate. Can I have Katie stand in for me for my challenge? <laughs> no. Fine. They want to see you be... Wait till... Right now the what's in the box challenge is winning. <sighs> oh, so how that's going to work is we're going to each have to buy mm-hmm. five things for the other one. Mm-hmm. So... To eat, yes, I know. No, not to eat. Oh, <laughs> just to, to eat. Yeah. Oh, I promise to eat. Well, now it I is. think that sounds like a fun no, game. No, because I know this bitch. <laughs> Jesus. No, so basically, there's a box in front of us, mm-hmm. and you have to put your arms in like this and feel it. And guess what? What if it you is? put knives and barbed wire in there? <laughs> what if you put bees in there? Now you've just ruined both of my the, two of my five. <laughs> I swear to God, if you put anything sharp in this box, Paul. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be like a, a, a rose stem, just like yeah. <laughs> just all salt a box and of nails. <laughs> like, this is such a fun challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Gushing blood. Okay, oh. all right, good. So, uh, so anyway, so if you want to check that out, then go to our Patreon. You have to subscribe. Um, also, you gonna be okay there? Okay. This is not good for our sound quality. Well, that's why I turned. <laughs> Also, just so you remember, this coming Saturday, uh, we are going to be, when? which is September 8th, we are going to be at Worcester Pride in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's a nice little pride, um, and we're going to be there. We have a booth. We're going to have a couple drag queens with us. Yep. We're going to be taking people's stories. Yeah, and uh, we're also going to, as far as I know, be raffling off 10 tickets to QFlix, I think it's called. Yes. Um, it's like an LGBT theater... They screen movies there, like a movie festival, mm-hmm. and the tickets are valued at $150, and we're going to have 10 to give away, so, so. check yeah. us out. Yeah, make sure you go and check that out. Um, and um, Oh, and also, make sure you check out our calendar on Your Queer Story. If you are in or around Rhode Island, we have several things going on in Rhode Island now. We have um, a FTM, Transmasculine Meetup, every other Wednesday. We have a, um, a meetup for transgender people that are in sobriety on Mondays. And um, there's a couple other things for the LGBTQ community as a whole. So if you go to yourqueerstory.com and you go to our events or our calendar, it'll have everything listed there for you. So go check that out. All right. And so, um, like we said, we introduced our guest, Katie, who's a good friend of us and an aspiring sex educator she's definitely educated paul and i on a lot of sexual <laughs> matters anytime we have a question we're just like hey uh katie can you tell us about this that, that's literally right i don't know how many times my fiance's messaged me and been like well just ask katie about it and i ask her so thank you for that katie yeah, thank you. um so we, today we are covering a very 
interesting. Controversial. Controversial <laughs> figure, the Marquis de Sade. And I'm so excited. you have um, read all of his works. In fact, I think you own... Well, everything that... Um, I know that some of his work were destroyed, but mm-hmm. when did you that, start... What? Destroying? We're going to yeah. get the censorship. I'm sorry. Yeah. It just made... Like, okay, it's one thing to censor it and lock it away. It's another thing to destroy it so that no one can ever know what was contained mm-hmm. within. Yeah. yeah. That just, like, infuriates me. I know. I know. Yeah. We're going to talk about censorship, but when did you start reading his work? Um, I've been reading his work I was for six. about, I was actually, it's <laughs> funny you should say, it's funny you should say, um, I started collecting his books probably 10 years ago. So when I was about 18, Okay. um, I've known about him. I don't know how I learned about him, but I've known about him since seventh grade. Uh, and I've just been like fascinated with him. And I, I found the book Justine in a book catalog because my family has a lot of books mm-hmm. and I asked for it in seventh grade and they were like absolutely not <laughs> absolutely not so it's been about 10 years that I've been following okay all right so uh, and in like I said you have a whole bookshelf of his work I've seen the bookshelf in fact mm-hmm. I borrowed one of your books so that I could uh, write this episode mm-hmm. um so we have someone here who I feel has got a real good understanding you know, real good understanding background in of the philosophy of the philosophy, right. of the philosophy. all right okay so um, without further ado, um, <laughs> imperious, choleric, irascible, extreme in everything with a dissolute imagination, the like of which has never been seen, atheistic to the point of fanaticism. There you have me in a nutshell and kill me again or take me as I am, for I shall not change. I could not have done it better. <laughs> <laughs> a fanatic atheist? Mm-hmm. Really devoted, hmm. devoted atheist. Yeah, but when I think oh, fanatic, are... I think like yeah. Well, they're militant it's active. atheists. It's yeah. very active, but it's it's atheistic against the Christian God. But if you ask me, he definitely has he has a concept of a, oh, of he a does. higher power. Oh, he does. Certainly. He calls it nature. Nature the with nature. a capital N. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these were some of the final words spoken by one of the most fascinating and controversial figures in history. The Marquis de Sade was an 18th century writer, provoc. Provocateur, I wrote this, <laughs> and public scoundrel. His unabashed views on sex disturbed many people. His open atheism outraged others. Truthfully, like many queer individuals in history, it wasn't until many decades after his death that his works were truly appreciated. And only in the 20th century was a ban on his literature lifted. Before we dive into the Marquis story, we want to warn our listeners that we will be discussing rape, assault, kink, bondage, sadism, and more. While we fully support and encourage the right of any consenting adults to do in their bedroom or dungeon what they please, we also realize that for some people in past abusive relationships, this topic may be triggering. Please think carefully before proceeding, as this will be a no-holds-barred experience, as with all our other episodes. So, Mom, if you're listening, do not. Samantha, what's her name? My fiance? No, her mom. Oh, Suzanne. Su- <laughs> Suzanne, turn off the micro, turn off the speakers. Or don't. She's, right or now, don't. she's like, I don't know how to fly <laughs> Andy, get in here. Tell me how to turn this off. I'm not kidding though, mom. Seriously, please don't. All right, but for the rest of our listeners, get ready to get kinky. And for our listeners already living that kink style, this one's for you. Anytime you're done swallowing. Well, there's a lot, okay? <laughs> this is a thick beverage. <laughs> Our listeners are imagining a lot right now. <laughs> we thought we'd act things out for you today. Born on June 2nd, 1740, the Marquis entered this world with the name Don... I have no idea. Donatien. 
Donatien. Alphonse. Alphonse. Francois. 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 We'll call him Daff. <laughs> yeah. Daff for short. Donnie. <laughs> call him Donnie. Donnie. Oh, that's that's affectionate. There we go. He was a child of poor aristocrats whose only real wealth was their name and royal lineage. His mother was a lady-in-waiting to the Princess de Conde. A, lady in, a lady-in-waiting is usually a lower-class noblewoman who waits upon a high-ranking noblewoman. Some authors have suggested that Donatienne mm-hmm. was taunted by the princess's son, Louis. The young prince would taunt de Sade mercilessly, as, and as a result, the count responded violently and was removed from the court. It has been stated that around this time, Donatien's father abandoned his family and Desaad's mother entered a convent. However, there wasn't much information to corroborate this story. We do know that later in life, Donatien's father would be involved in arranging the young Marquis' marriage. Yeah, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty interesting that at like six years old, mm-hmm. he beat the shit out of the prince and was sent away. Yeah. Like the prince. Yeah. So I think that that's. So that's that pretty, was... that's, that's a good start. <laughs> right? So stay away from Katie's kids in preschool. <laughs> yeah. Kids are gonna come with a fucking crowbar. <laughs> Mom said it's tough. I'm Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna fucking do it. Alright. So as a child, Donnie, we're gonna call him Donnie from now on. We don't want to um, keep insulting all our French listeners. As a child, Donnie tutored with his uncle before going off to Paris to continue his education. There he enrolled in the Lycée Louis Le Grand, a secondary school with prepped pre a secondary school which prepped preteens and young teens before they began studying for their future careers. According to Desaad's own testimony, during one of his trials later in life, he stated that he was severely abused by the staff at Louis Le Grand. <laughs> I like how you just like (laughs) if I just say it really fast it's like (laughs) and that his whippings during this time is what spurred his obsession with flips and floggers later in life now we do realize that we have some listeners that are very um, beginning or have no experience in the BDSM world so we're going to be explaining some basic terminology throughout this so Katie explain to us what the difference is between a whip and flog Um, a flogger uh, a whip is an umbrella term and a flogger is a whip, but I think what they probably mean is like a single tail, mm-hmm. like a bull whip is what you would picture when you picture like a public whipping, the big, long, single so tail. So they would just take these kids out with the long bull whip and, and, and whip the shit out of them. And whip the shit out of them. Um, a, a cane and a riding crop are also considered whips, but they're they're firm whips as opposed to a flexible whip like okay. this. All right. And a flogger is just... A flogger is when you think it's the handle with the nine or ten like falls. Oh. With the different tassels. Like what Jesus was whipped with. Like what Only Jesus was whipped Jesus with. Jesus had like pieces of barbed wire and nails mm-hmm. in his whip. A cat and nine tail. Yeah. Like the, Jesus. the multiple flog uh, falls. Yeah. We do want to state that no, not all people into BDSM were subjected to violence as a child. The argument of nature versus nurture applies in this case as it does with most queer individuals. Certainly Desaad's early exposure to these methods of obedience could have shaped his sexual desires. And it is also entirely plausible that the Count could have had these urges without ever enduring a single violent act. I think that's important because there's this idea that if you like to be beaten, there must be something, must have happened to you as a kid, mm-hmm. kid you know. But at, what, at least my experience is that there's, you know, yeah. a wide variety. Like some people did experience some violence as a child and some people had no. perfect, Fan- you know. Yeah, some people had fantasies since childhood. Yeah. And I think a lot of it... Um, the more you're censored, like sheltered from things, and the more you're like protected, and oh no, don't do that, don't do that, don't mm-hmm. do that, don't do that. 
be proper, be proper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at me. It makes you want, like, it makes you want it because it's so bad. Yeah. I don't, so, like, after I, I left my church cult and, like, started exploring, I mean, I explored this world and I don't know that I was, like, I, I wasn't, like, intentionally thinking I want to do the exact opposite, but I was exploring, like, everything, all of my hindrances have been removed, and so it was just like, it's a free-for-all, I can do whatever I want, you know? And so, I don't know if that lent itself to, you know, exploring the BDSM world, or if I just always kind of wanted to, I don't mm-hmm. know. Hey Queerstians, thanks for listening to today's episode of Your Queer Story. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with your free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I love Audible. I have had my subscription for over two years and it is worth every single penny. I listen to it all the time. I hate to read, but I love listening to things while I work. Audible gives me the opportunity to listen to the best-selling books, while I'm at my computer or driving and makes the day fly by. And the best part is that Audible offers a wide variety of queer-friendly books as well. So you can listen to anything from The Queer History of the United States by Michael Bronski to over 200 LGBTQ fantasy novels. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com queer. Again, that's audibletrial.com queer for your free audiobook. At the age of 14, Donnie joined an elite military school. And just a month shy of his 16th birthday, he became a sub-lieutenant in the French military. Working his way up through the ranks, mostly due to his family name, Desaad was a colonel in the Seven Years' War. Um, for, I, was it seven years long? Yeah, good job. <laughs> Way to go. They, weren't, they didn't Not care about it. wars back then. They're like, this is the Hundred Years' War, this is the Seven Years' War. They didn't have all the fancy names that you kids do. And back in my day, we just called it what it was. <laughs> um, this war is considered by many historians to be one of the first modern world wars. It spanned five continents and involved almost every powerful country on the globe at the time. There isn't much written about his military career, but we know that he abandoned it when the war ended in 1763. After leaving his post, Desaad was arrested and imprisoned several times for buying prostitutes and most notably for sexually assaulting and raping them. Yes, you can rape a sex worker. Um, We want to point out that the Marquis is no hero of the queer community or the BDSM community. His work is notable because it has inspired people in kink circles to explore their fantasies, and there is nothing wrong with exploring with another consenting adult. But the Count was not an accurate depiction of a true BDSM relationship. One One of the times he was actually arrested, a prostitute turned him in for making her use a cross during whatever sexual act they were doing <laughs> he made her use a cross and she turned him in and he was arrested yeah made her use a cross like like i think so yeah, yeah like, like use it on herself yeah, yeah. i feel like herself. aren't they usually like wood or like yeah, i'm sure it didn't feel and, like, yeah it probably well everything at that time was like all the dildos <laughs> were were wood and like stone you know, yeah go get that bone off the cow over there <laughs> yeah <laughs> shove that up yeah yeah so the thing the marquee is is a complicated He's a complicated man. Um, he's a complicated man. <laughs> yes. And um, in he, so, like when we're talking about it, we want to we want to give a voice to the BDSM community, but we also don't want to say that everything we cover is like what the BDSM community is about. Yeah. No. In fact, um, 
it, it sort of goes, it goes against the kind of ethical, it goes fully against the ethical sadism that is today. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think that the ethical sadism of today would probably have, he probably wouldn't want his name on, honestly, because oh, yeah. there is consent involved and there's negotiations involved. And I, his whole philosophy, which I don't know if we've, we haven't really touched on, his whole yeah, philosophy yeah. is that capital N nature made me what I am, made me feel how I feel, gave me the power over you. And if I have the power to do what I want with you or take what I want from you, then that's because I'm supposed to. And because nature, capital N, nature, knows what's right and is in charge of everything. And to go against it, that's what's wrong. Yeah, so that's his philosophy, though. That's his But philosophy. that's not the philosophy in uh, the... Of BDSM. BDSM. No. no, it's very much... Even though you still have a dominant uh, mm-hmm. person and a um, submissive, you might a master and a slave, whatever mm-hmm. the term you use, there's still a very strict lines that are, are not to be crossed. Respect. Exactly. There's respect. Yeah. The master does not have the right to do whatever he or she wants to their slave. No, and I think that that's a common misconception yeah. that, um, that the dom is the beginning and end is the law. And right. that the submissive, if the submissive speaks up against... Mm-hmm the dom then they are a bad submissive and it's all about it's all about respect and doing what's right for each partner exactly and that's why people in the bdsm community had such a problem with books like the 50 shades Mm -hmm. of gray series because you had this rogue dom who just Mm -hmm. thought that he could treat right his son anesthesia exactly he thought he could treat her however he wanted to do whatever right and they yeah. used, I, I'm not like super familiar with the movies, but they used his childhood abuse as an apology and an explanation yeah. for why he behaves the way he does. And I think um, if you wanted a better, we won't get off topic, but if you mm-hmm. want a better BDSM movie, I would look at The Secretary mm-hmm. because I think it's so yeah. interesting that Christian Grey is a sexy, attractive, attractive man, sexy as a package. Mm-hmm. He's an attractive man, but he's repulsive. Right, yeah. and then you see like Edward Edward Gray, which is so funny. They have the in same, the secretary. The secretary, yeah. um, Edward Gray, is a lawyer who is James Spader, very mm-hmm. physically average, very sexy. Yeah, he's a very sexy. So I think that that's. Yeah, I I like the secretary. I I only watched it recently, mm. and uh, it's good. So I haven't watched either. Do you need to watch you the need secretary. To. I don't know how much you would enjoy it. <laughs> <It's not laughs> really, I don't know. Maybe we can find a gay equivalent for you. Ooh, there's got to be one. I'm sure there is. Find um, that's I'm not sure a... there's quite a few if you look on, <laughs> on Pornhub. On Pornhub or like any of those websites. <laughs> like a nice, well done movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to be dropping <laughs> Quality references. production. Exactly. So for those of you who want to educate yourself more, we'll be dropping references all throughout this episode, whereas usually we just do like one at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so check out the secretary. Also, real quick point about raping. Um, sex workers this goes in like just because uh you pay someone for sex that you still have to follow the guidelines and the etiquette so right. yes you can fucking rape a sex worker and yeah. there's that that disgust and i wonder if he hadn't this was one thing if he wasn't so um uh oh we'll get to it in a second well i'm gonna wait for that because I, I i have a point to make but let's go on so yeah. at at 23 donnie began to court a young woman named Anne, but her father was not ready to marry her off instead he cooperated with desad's father to arrange that donnie marry his sweetheart's older sister renee just five months after his new marriage the young count was arrested for his abuse of a prostitute named rose keller the story goes that Donnie had been visiting a particular brothel frequently for over a month. Perhaps his reason for visiting the special brothel was to pursue Keller, whom he had met in April of that year. 
Anyway, Rose recounts that the Marquis hired her and took her to his little house, in quotes, that's how he called it, in Arsul. This is the part of the story where we will begin to talk about the nuances of the submissive-dominant relationship. Before we discuss this, which we already kind of did, <laughs> we want to make clear that this is a particular instance is not a sub-dominant relationship. This is rape of a sex worker, and it is disgusting. Actually, he had her believe, or she was led to believe, or she believed that she was coming to his house to work as a maid. Oh, okay. So right. he, like, so fully he, just, so like, he, yeah. fully he just lied. Him. Okay. So... Um, according to Rose, Desaad ripped off her clothes and tied her face down on a bed. Then he beat her repeatedly, raped her, and poured hot water wax. on... What? Hot, hot wax. wax. Oh. Oh, okay. Then he beat her repeatedly, raped her, and poured hot wax on her skin. The Count insisted to investigators that he was applying ointment and not wax. So, I beat her, I raped her, but it was like, you're still... telling me this isn't the Vaseline? <laughs> God damn it, I keep picking up the candle and aloe. <laughs> I thought it was the fucking aloe. That explains why my lips were so, you know, waxing. Um, whatever happened, Inspector de Marais, who oversaw the investigation, was still warning brothel owners, oh, owners a year later to keep their girls away from Donnie. Keller eventually escaped from Desaad and ran to the neighbors to show them her wounds and to report him. He was arrested and imprisoned in the fortress of Pierre Encise near Lyon, France. <laughs> um, so my point here was that I wonder, well, I didn't realize that she had, she went under there under false pretense. I thought she went there knowing that he was paying for sex, but not realizing what he wanted. And I was wondering if he hadn't like been so violent, if he, without the beating her and the hot wax, if they would have done anything because she was a sex worker, you know, because how right. common is it for a sex walk worker to be raped and for police to be like, well, I don't know, honey, that's your job. Right. I feel like they probably wouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like she probably wouldn't have even gone to the police unless it was like that case of like blasphemy, you yeah. know, this, this misuse of a cross. Yeah. 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 So, um, so the only thing I would want to say here, as we're getting further in, Katie, because you all, um, have played the submissive role, mm -hmm. um, you played the dominant role. <laughs> you played the, I know you played both. You're very fluid, mm -hmm. but, um, <laughs> explain to our listeners why someone might enjoy submitting. Um, I, I, I can't speak for everyone. I can't speak for everyone. Uh, it, there's just, there's something really, there's something really nice about trusting a person enough to give them reins over you especially if they're energy every it's for me at least it feels very energetic there are people who try to sell themselves as a dominant you know and by that they mean let me call you baby girl or let me call like you know will you be my good little slut and it's like i don't know you you know there's just something there's something energetically about like a real dominant that I want to give them control over me. And I think also losing control is just like exciting. It's exciting. Don't worry, Evan's in the background making as much noise as he possibly can. <laughs> He's like, you know when you get home late at night and you try to be quiet? Or like when you were a kid and you were trying to sneak to get a cookie or something and you didn't want to wake your parents up and you're just as loud as you possibly can be because mm -hmm. you're trying to be quiet? I need an ice for this goddamn finger. Oh my god, it's a fucking finger. It's my finger. Do you want me finger. to pinch the other finger to make them equal? You Do you want me to slap you in the face? No. Breathe into it. Send breath. 
Anyways. Send breath to your middle finger. <laughs> send breath to your middle finger. Thank you. Thank you very much for yeah. that. Have we So hopefully <laughs> Katie's explanation. So, you know, again, going forward, because just trying to paint everybody in an equal light right. and that the, the BDSM relationship between a dom and a sub is a very consensual, equal, both parties are experiencing pleasure. And right. They may get their pleasure in different ways, but they're right. both experiencing pleasure. It's, it's, it's the balance. Yeah. It's the, the aligning of what needs, of needs. Right. But the, the Marquis did not always have the best no. um, view of this. He once wrote, what does one want when one is engaged in a sexual act? That everything around you give you its utter attention. Think only of you. Care only for you. Every man wants to be a tyrant when he fornicates. And that is from his book, 120 Days of Sodom. It sounds like so. some narcissism. Yeah. Like, this is all about me. Yeah. Exactly. This experience, you are here for my pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. Which is not a, the right mindset for at least... For today. For, for like, ethical sadism. For ethical sadism. For ethical sadism. Right. Ethical sadism. And didn't the term sadism come from the from Marquis, him. From from Marquis him. Yep. So thanks for that. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it is important that he, he gave a voice and an identity mm-hmm. to these feelings. Yeah, that's true. He clearly had a skewed perception of the dominant-submissive relationship. However, this does not mean that every encounter was not consensual. Normally, at least from the research that I found, he and the hired sex worker would agree upon conditions before beginning their sessions, which is appropriate. In fact, acclaimed feminist and author Simone de Beauvoir writes an entire excerpt in the beginning of the book of 120 Days of Sodom in condemnation and also defense of the Marquis. She writes of his paradoxal life. We are struck by the fact that beyond the walls of his little house, it did not occur to him to make full use of his strength. There is no hint of ambition in him, no spirit of enterprise, no will to power, and I am quite prepared to believe that he was a coward. Oh, we're just going to do all the quotes. Yeah. Yeah. I can send this all the quotes back. (laughs) So, if you remember actually from our episode on Brenda Howard, um, Bivois, uh, which we pronounce Beauvoir. <laughs> Beauvoir. 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 Okay, unless you have a, unless your name is like Smith <laughs> or like John or Mary, we're gonna fuck it up probably. Yeah. So just be aware. So Beauvoir mm-hmm. um, is actually she inspired the second wave of feminism. She was a strong feminist who was writing in defense of this man. Like she and she said repeatedly, like he's a flawed man. He's not perfect. He had a lot of hangups. Also, as you said, he mm-hmm. gave us a voice to feelings that we didn't want to admit we had. Right. And um, Angela Carter wrote a book, and I think it was 1979, The Saudian Woman, An Ideology of Pornogra- Pornography, I think it's called. Um, and it's basically, because the book Juliet, which we'll get to later, mm-hmm. is yeah. Juliet is Justine's sister, so she got her own, own book. And this is a book that's later written by the Marquis. This is a, yes. this is a book later written by the Marquis. So Juliet is one of the Marquis's. Uh, characters, and she is a very sexually, not strong woman, I don't want to say, but she's not a little housewife. She is a sexual conqueror. She is a sadist just as much as he is, and it gave her power, whereas her sister's virtue brought her despair. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I think that, you know, his writing has very sexist points, but it's also... It's sort of, it doesn't, he doesn't believe that your sex necessarily reflects what you can or cannot have sexually, but if you come up against him, you're screwed either way, but if you're a strong woman with sexual desires, he's like, do it. 
yeah. do it. I think you, because I had asked you about it, I was like, I didn't like the way that he treated his woman. Because I had read some excerpts from Justine from a while back. You had given it to me, and I said I didn't like how you treated it. And you said that you didn't think that he was treating her that way because she was a woman, but because any sex object. And he had he had affairs, multiple affairs with men and women. Mm-hmm. Like, he was not a one... Right. I think know. his whole thing is like... Um, What's it called? Um, Darwinism. Um, mm-hmm. Like the strong. No, like the strong. Doggy, doggy. Oh, uh, yeah, like the, the strong. The, the strong. Why can't we think of it? I don't know. What the hell is it? The survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. Absolutely. Right. He's yeah. like, if you're stronger than me, like, then bring it on. Like, right. do to me what you want. Mm-hmm. If I'm stronger than you, then I'm gonna do to you what I want. Yeah. Okay. Because it's very the, the sadomasochism. He's definitely he's definitely done some like he enjoys a good flogging. He enjoys a good buggering, you buggering. know, like a good yeah. buggering. Like you could beat him too. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily a one way street with him. Okay. But you had to be able to like force that upon right. him. Right. Unless, unless you were a beautiful man. He, I have never, I don't know that I've encountered him to do it so much with women unless she was a strong lesbian character. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were a beautiful young man, he would submit to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, upon his release from prison, the Marquis traveled to Marseille with his mistress Anne, his sister-in-law, in an attempt to find some money. His excursions and lifestyle had racked up quite a bit of debt. In the city, the Count wrote scandalous plays which he put on in the theater built in his house. His mistress and house servants would enact the theatrical performances. During this time, Donnie was continuing to seek out prostitutes and sleeping with his man-servant Latour. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> During a night of partying in 1772, a few of the sex workers indulged in the marquee and the marquee's pillbox and came down with severe stomach pains. The pills were known as Spanish fly, which is an aphrodisiac and can be poisonous. Uh, Latour and Dani fled to Italy, and the French government sentenced them both to death. They were hanged in effigy in the town square, which means dummies of them were hanged to symbolize death. It wasn't long before the two were caught, and the Said and the oh, and Desad was imprisoned in the fortress of Milan's. Milan's. Mulan's. I don't know. He was he was imprisoned <laughs> in a fortress. Yeah. <laughs> he spent he spent like thirty two years. He spent half in of jail. his life. Yeah. yeah. He was he lived to be seventy four and mm-hmm. thirty over thirty of that was spent yeah. in prison. Incarcerated. Yeah. yeah, so he's here partying up with his manservant Latour, and they hand out these pills to these prostitutes that are partying. Now with it's him. interesting that wording. What they indulged in his pillbox. Yeah. Does that mean that they were like sticky fingers in his pillbox, or does it, or, um, do, or is that to say that? That's he how was I like, don't know. I didn't. It didn't really elaborate mm-hmm. on whether they just took Hard them to or say. he was giving it out. Hard to say. So, but yeah, but then they got sick, and then it's and all hearsay anyway. <laughs> it's just, that's true. Um, but they would. Um, this would chase him for several years. Mm-hmm. It would come back to continually haunt him. Mm-hmm. During this time, Donna Tien's <laughs> wife had been patiently waiting at home with his three children. She really was sticking <laughs> she by She's a ride or die. This yeah. bitch. I don't know. Yeah. I think he's coming back. I'm going to be honest with you. Is this Hillary? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to be in power one day. I'm going to be president. Yeah. Donnie says so. Yeah. <laughs> it seems the Count had spent most of their first decade married in one scandal in prison after another. Nevertheless. A little codependent. A little, a <laughs> if little, I might, if I might. <laughs> someone send her a bug. <laughs> Get her in a support group. Yeah. 
Nevertheless, Renee arranged for the Marquis to escape the prison by dressing as a man and helping him get to the lavatory window where he slipped out. I It's one thing to fucking wait for him, and she's even mm-hmm. helping him get out. Yep. While he's cheating on her, raping yep. people, poisoning people. Sleeping like, with her sister, like yeah. traveling around the country with her sister, and she's just like... One day it's going to be my turn. <laughs> I, yeah, that's some real dedication. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I just that, love I, him. Yeah, that's an abusive he doesn't relationship. Mean to hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the couple returned to the Chateau Le Coste, where Rene began to indulge his fantasies. But then the Marquis began to recruit neighborhood teens and young adults to work for his estate a cook, a secretary, two maids, some valets, and a chambermaid, all of whom had some type of sexual relationship or tension with the Count. Some, were be- some, we believe, were forced as they chose to run away in the night. Others seemed enthralled with the Marquis, yet the parents became concerned and demanded their children return home. The father of the cook attempted to shoot Desaad, but the gun misfired. He pointed at him point blank yeah. and tried to kill him, yeah. and the gun shit. misfired. That's at least the second time he's escaped up. Yeah. So that shit's crazy. Yeah, it wasn't his time. Yeah, well, don't fucking go around in the town and start pulling people's teenagers and to work for you so you can sexually harass them this all This is why your parents tell you never to go with the man who wants, who <laughs> promises candy. With yeah. the creepy old guy yeah. up the streets like, hey, little boy, you want to come work for me? Yeah. You say no. <laughs> so that, and run. <laughs> run like a motherfucker. After a short time, he fled. The Marquis fled again with his mistress, Anne. You know what I just thought about? What? When the cook's father's gun misfired, uh-huh. I'm surprised he wasn't like, I'm now more powerful than you. You have no power over me. Come here, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You're mine. But remember, um, as <laughs> Bebois, Simone said, <laughs> as Simone said, she thought he was a coward. And really, so. in that situation, I think he was terrified. Yeah. I don't know. But he... He was good at overpowering people when he had tricked them into coming to his place, tied them up, and then suddenly he's so powerful. Or they're younger, way younger. I was going to say, was he really so powerful, good at overpowering people, or is it because he chose people who were so much smaller than him anyways? Is he good at preying on people? Right. Yes. Yeah. Is it my turn? Yes. At this time, Renee and Anne's mother, who is sometimes portrayed as the villain, but possibly the hero, stepped in. She issued a letter de cachet, which was basically a prison authorization of a wealthy individual could buy. The proclamations were pre-signed by the king and had a blank space where the purchaser could enter any name they wished. Could you imagine if he could do that? That's yeah, fucking, that is fucking bullshit. Uh, here, I got a hundred dollars. If that's good enough, I promise it's not going to yeah, be anybody important. The, it's a blank check. It's just my fucking. It is. It's a blank. <laughs> Who do you want to imprison? Oh, I'm going to imprison my motherfucking ex. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so bullshit. Donatian's um, mother-in-law wrote in his name and promptly sent him to the dungeon of. There's way I think too. It's Vicente. I don't, I'm sorry, these are the words, Paul. This is a French story, and there's French words. Well, I'm gonna try again. <laughs> Just say they sent him to a dungeon in Paris. <laughs> Donnie's in the dungeon. <laughs> Literally. Uh, there was one episode where I couldn't say somebody's name, so I just like didn't even say it. And I the just whole kept going. episode. <laughs> Nobody seemed to care. <laughs> <laughs> um, Donatine's mother-in-law wrote in his na- wrote in his name and promptly sent him to a dungeon somewhere. On February 13, 1777, Desaad was still facing a death sentence and spent the next year appealing his case, which he won. In addition, during this time, the Marquis' father died, making him the official Count Desaad. 
where it also came from his mother's convent that she had passed away as well. It doesn't seem Donatian grieved his parents much as they had not been part of his life for quite some time. Although later in research, I found that he was, his mother did die, but um, his mother-in-law used it as a way to get him to Paris. Mm -hmm. um, like she told him your mother's dying and she tricked him into coming to Paris and, uh, and that's how he was arrested again. Um, yeah. So what did his parents think of him? Is there any information on that? Like I, yeah, his father was very embarrassed with him, and his mother did go and join a convent. Like that was confirmed later. She, I don't know what led her to maybe having him as a son. I don't know. At six years old, your kid is kicked out of the court for, for beating, beating up the, the prince. Yeah, like at that point, you're like, this isn't going to be a good life for me. Yeah. So she went off and joined a convent. Um, and his, what is it like all involved in a convent? Is that like a cult? It's not a, is it? isn't it nuns? Yeah, it's just oh, nuns. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, oh. No. See, I'm not. That's actually, that. that happens in his stories a lot. Distressed, yeah. distressed women run off Well, to because they don't nuns. have anywhere. They, you're As a, a role of a woman at this time is you live with your father, you live with your husband, or you live in a convent. You couldn't just be a single woman living by yourself. No. That was her only other option. If right. she was going to leave her husband, she had to go live in a convent. Yeah. But so, if you want some hot lesbian nun action... Read Juliet. Okay. Ooh, some very hot lesbian nuns. I think that's yeah. why originally I picked up the book, but Dude, then I yeah. had to get through all this other shit, and I never got there. No. I never got to the hot lesbian action. Yeah, lots of hot lesbian action. Lots of lot, lots of hot gay action. There's right. some. They, yeah, there's all types. This is oh. wait, wait. This is Juliet. Or Juliet. Ju oh, this is Juliet. Never mind. I was thinking Justine. Okay. No. Juliet, folks. By Juliet. the Marquis de Sade. Um. Anyways, but what? But yeah. But his. But his father was very repulsed by him, and just like had. He was happy to, he arranged the marriage to Renee because he would be like, here, this family can take care of him. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of get him out of like his Marriages in, in noble families are business transactions. Yeah, yeah, strictly business. Strictly business. However, his mother-in-law would not see him, the Marquis, get off so easily. But he got off so easily so many times. <laughs> not this time. <laughs> she, she purchased another letter de ca cachet. They, she Unless purchased an, yeah. another letter of... Cash prison. it. <laughs> cash it. Yeah. I'm here to cash this cash it. All right. She purchased another letter de cash, cachet, whatever. She purchased one of those letters. And she, he was sent back to the dungeon in September of 1778. His cell was windowless and locked behind 13 doors. They really Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not <laughs> Enemy of a state. Yeah. And this is the part where... This is the only part where I start to see, like... His, his crime is that he loves erotic sex. Well, mm -hmm. and also that he's raping women. So that's true. That one's true. But that's not what people were pissed about. No. 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 People were not pissed that he was raping women. They weren't even pissed that he was sleeping with teenagers. Nope. People were pissed about how he was doing it. Right. And that he was, that he was open about it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. they, that was insulting to But them. this was a very libertine time. That was like very... What is libertine mean? Labor libertine, it, it's just sort of open. It's, it's like a, it, it was like a sexual freedom to, you know, have anal and mm -hmm. to like fuck in orgies. And, you know, it was, it was libertine. It was fashionable. It was very, it was But you're not supposed to talk about it, clearly, because. No, it was very, it was, it, was, it is, it's it like, like we're all secret. doing this. It's we're like, doing it. well, Ben Franklin, I mean, this time Ben Franklin is living in France. This is right mm -hmm. after the Revolutionary War. He was the ambassador of France and he's doing the same shit. Mm -hmm. You know, but like you said, you don't talk about it. You don't broadcast it. Right. You don't create scandal with it. 
So, but apparently they were so threatened by it, they're locking him in a dungeon can with 13 be, doors. Can you imagine being the guy who had to feed him? You have to, you have to unlock <laughs> his door. I, got, I forgot the fucking spoon. And I, God damn it, I hate this goddamn job. I'm, when I get up, I'm moving out of here. It takes him like 20 minutes because he has to like, he has this tray. He's trying to balance the water. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to his one hand and flipping through his keys with the other hand. <laughs> He finally fucking dropped the keys. Motherfucker! He's like trying to balance and hold the tray while he's trying to get the keys. Half the shit's like spilled out on the ground before he even gets there. How come I have soup every day? Listen. You don't even bring no soup because it all sloshes on the floor. You try getting through the door, you motherfucker. I don't even want to do this job. I want it to be... I was gonna make it big. I was gonna make it big on the stage. I was gonna perform Shakespeare. I was gonna fight in the eight year war. That one was coming next. I was ready. And now I'm fucking locking up this goddamn dungeon. (laughs) Then as he's leaving, he trips over his water. It's fun to imagine. Okay, so the Marquis spun into a delirium, an insanity completely broken by his imprisonment. Simone writes, Others claimed the right to live their own lives, and Saad was once again made to understand that he could not turn the real world of hard fact into a theater. He was trying to make everybody play out his fantasies, but not everybody wanted to play out his fantasies. That's a very, like, um toddler way of thinking mm-hmm. because psychologists have actually said like in a toddler like this is their world and you're all moving parts of their world right and as you age you like learn like hey that's not what it is unless you're donald trump unless you're donald this... trump or the marquee, or the marquee. <laughs> the marquee. Yeah. It, like they grew like this is my world and i'm mm-hmm. going to act however i mm-hmm. want to act and if you don't like that well this is my world so i don't care yeah mm-hmm. So, but as time wore on, the Marquis found a new way of expression, his writing. This is the real reason we are covering the Marquis de Sade. As a young man, there is nothing admirable or respectable about him. He is selfish, abusive, manipulative, and in some cases downright sadistic. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) And not in an enjoyable type of way, but in a cruel and totally self-absorbed way. Um, In this deep prison, the Marquis de Sade found that his writing could unleash these tensions, fantasies, and ideas that were offensive and unable to be received when flaunted in another's face. Yet from the pages of a book, the public could begin to safely explore and challenge centuries of conventional thinking, and not just ideas on sex, but ideas on God and government and societal standards. In the second part of the story, we will begin with de Sade's 1782 piece, Dialogue between a priest and a dying man, where the Count boldly declares himself an atheist. So make sure you tune in next week to hear the completion of the tale of such an unconventional individual. But that is all we have time for today. Your recommended resource is Dialogue Between a Priest and a Dying Man, which is available online and is about a 15-minute read. You can also go on YouTube and have people read it for you. So I tried to listen to it on YouTube, but I just feel like I couldn't follow it because when I looked at the actual text it was like blocks mm-hmm. yeah and i feel like it's hard to like follow along in your head yeah all right maybe so you maybe, can maybe i maybe i can't i don't know maybe do or maybe don't but uh check it out and remember our other resources our references we talked about juliet written by the marquis de Sade. Mm-hmm. we talked about um watching the secretary with maggie gyllenhaal and james spader and, james spader. and then you wanted to promote for those in the kink community 
Oh, um, check out, if you're into DGLG or in need, uh, Daddy Dom Little Girl, or more broadly, CGL is caregiver slash little. If you are in need, or if you're a raver, if you need an adult passy, check out Rebecca at Kitten's Craft Corner on Etsy. She is so sweet. She's so sweet. She just did a custom passy for me. She sent me a picture of it. It's Hello Kitty with little gems and pearls. It's just super cute. She's so sweet. You'll message back and forth, and she'll figure out what you want, and she'll do it so right for you. So check her out. She's on Etsy, uh, Kitten's Craft Corner. Tell her that uh, your queer story and Katie sent you. That's right. And if you live in or around Providence, Katie actually... Oh. Yeah. Check out Mr. Sister on the east side. Super cute. Very queer space. Uh, boutique stuff. If you need some like... If you need some cool stuff that you can't get at a mainstream shop, come see us. Yeah, it's real good quality stuff. It's not yeah. like like amazing, you know, not It's not cheap. Shitting me it's amazing, like... But... It's like the boutique, so instead of going to Walmart for your supplies, you're going to like a boutique, nice, right. upscale, like where instead you're going to Instead of going to Stop and Shop for your makeup, you're going to Mac or Sephora. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got a beautiful penis there mm-hmm. that I love to use in mm-hmm. the bedroom. It's really nice. So, probably yeah. better than your dick, Paul. <laughs> so, yeah. So, if you want some good quality good. stuff, that's Mr. Sister on the east side in Providence and Rebecca's Shop. Kitten's, on- Kitten's Craft Corner. Kitten's Craft Corner on Etsy. Yeah. Uh, just remember, and remember that you can check out our calendar. We've got in face, uh, face-to-face face events there. We are going to be having for something, the Church of Christianity on September 16th. So once a month uh, meetup, donuts and coffee. Um, if you plan on coming and you can't drink coffee or like there's something... I want to try to make sure that everybody has something so I know like, for example, David can't have coffee. So some maybe tea. we'll bring like some tea or something. Mm-hmm. But if there's anything... I don't know. We'll figure it Any out. Any dietary restrictions, just message us on one of our many Vegan, social media. Vegan, gluten-free, paleo, keto. Okay. Well, <laughs> Katie's not invited. You're not, yeah. <laughs> if you consider yourself any of those, do not come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And so that's what that is. So again, that's going to be on September 16th, 10 to 12 a.m. You can find the location at yourqueerstory.com. Go to the calendar. And you can find us everywhere on any form of social media you have. Just look us up at Your Queer Story. We offer something a little bit different on every platform. Um, So whatever you're into, just give us a follow. Yep, make sure you come check us out this Saturday at Worcester Pride and stay queer. And don't get a lobotomy. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.